You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLocal and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you enjoy this episode, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice so you'll never miss a new episode, and you can catch up on all the previous episodes you've missed. On tonight's show, I wanted to talk about last night's uh, first debut game for Pierre-Luc Dubois, as well as the Jets in general, after what I felt was a pretty disappointing performance in a number of areas. I feel like the coaching is still a major issue, and there are a couple of adjustments that I'd like the Jets to kind of go through over the next couple of weeks. Let's start off with last night's game, though. I I think that the game against the Calgary Flames showcased a couple of limitations with the Jets that have continued to be a problem throughout most of the season. Yeah, it's still young. We're only, well, like 12 or so games into the season, but I think there are some very identifiable trends that have continued to be an issue with this team for several years now. But before going too crazy, let's start off with the first couple of periods. The first period, I felt like the Jets came out of the gates looking rather uh, a little bit stiff and and slow. I really wasn't impressed with the start, and it's not super shocking because the Jets had something like four days off. When you have an extended break, it can often be very difficult to maintain your, your presence of mind and your game shape, which I think is something that the Jets have struggled with in the past. But by the same token, this team also just has slow starts in first periods in general. There aren't that many games that I recall this year where they came out immediately looking hungry and ready for the game. I don't know why this is such an issue with the squad, because when you think about the roster talent and what the coaching staff claims to be doing on on the practice sessions and stuff, you'd think a lot of this would have an impact and the team would be pretty fresh. The unfortunate reality is that the team still often looks very rusty, and I think that that is something that at some point the Jets are going to have to figure out why they come out of games looking very slow or, you know, coming out of breaks looking very uh, haphazard and maybe a little bit lost. I'm sure lots of teams do deal with these slow starts and stuff like this, but I I feel like it's been a continuous problem for the Jets for many seasons now, and it's very puzzling as to why it continues to be an issue. That aside, Winnipeg was kind of lucky to escape the opening 20 minutes without surrendering a goal. They didn't score either, but at least, bare minimum, they kept Calgary from getting on the score sheet, and that was probably due to the combined efforts of a bit of puck luck and Connor Hellebuck being pretty sharp in net. I felt like Hellebuck last night had a very solid game and didn't really get much recognition for it just because... I'm fairly certain all eyes were on guys like Dubois and a couple of other players who I thought were standouts, but Hellebuck had a pretty nice night, and I think that he did a very nice job uh, keeping the Jets in it especially early when Winnipeg was kind of getting pelted in the low slot area. The Flames didn't look rusty at all, and that's something that was immediately apparent as soon as they started getting these really fast uh, counters and dangerous crossing passes going. I mean, these are things that you definitely don't want to give Calgary because the Flames may not have a lot of top-end talent all throughout their lineup, but the talent that is there is very good at capitalizing on mistakes. And unfortunately, the Jets were serving quite a few of those mistakes last night, uh, even throughout the first period. I mean, it was just a very sloppy opening 20 minutes, and I'm kind of amazed that the Jets didn't concede. The second period was notably better as far as the Jets are concerned. I mean, it wasn't fantastic. I don't think that there was any part of the game last night where I was like super impressed with the Jets, but the second period was a lot more, I would say, even, I guess. It wasn't 100% even because I think Calgary still had a lot of the scoring chance advantages. 
and Winnipeg just had a lot of trouble getting to the slot area. But at the very least, the Jets looked a lot more lively, a lot more active, and we saw some more pushback from Winnipeg's top forwards. I was especially impressed with uh, the Ehlers line, which again, you know, had a couple of moments where it wasn't super impressive last night, but overall was Winnipeg's best line on the night. And naturally, Ehlers bagged himself a couple of great goals. One of them was a really nice goal on the power play where Matthew Perot screened uh, Jacob Markstrom and that just enough to kind of throw Markstrom off and Ehlers did not miss on the snipe. What's kind of funny is on the same power play just a few seconds before, Markstrom had absolutely robbed Mark Scheifele on like a 10-bell save. This shot, which he probably did see, but it was a little bit too late, just kind of beat him over the glove, and he just didn't really have time to react and make the read, because Perot, again, just sort of threw him off just a little bit. Ehlers then scored again later in the period, this time off of a really great pass up the middle by Logan Stanley, who found Mark Shifley, and then Shifley passed it off to Ehlers, and just like that, the Jets were tied 2-2. The goals against are, are kind of where some of the problems start to surface, and I feel like Logan Stanley that night actually had a couple of moments where you know, he did get a little bit exposed by the smaller, speedier, more agile forwards, which is kind of what we expect from him. When Logan is out there, I think the thing you have to be aware of is that you can't really put him against really fast or small players who can turn on a dime and get an inside cut on you just because Logan can't turn that quickly. He doesn't really have like the lateral ability or the agility to face these kinds of forwards without like cross-checking or throwing them down. On one of the goals against, he had an issue along the blue line where he was up higher inside his defensive zone, made a misplay, ended up uh, turning the puck over in a rather bad fashion, and then tried to get back, got beat by Mangiapane on the inside, and Mangiapane just sort of outworked him in front of the net. Mangiapane is definitely a very elusive forward and somebody who I think doesn't really get enough credit or, or recognition throughout the league as being a really lethal forward, but by the same token, Stanley's a huge dude. If you're a player of this size... One thing that you cannot allow is for somebody to cut inside of you and get that interior body positioning in front of your goalie. You need to clear the crease out, even if it means maybe taking a penalty. That penalty might just save you, even if it does lead to a couple more dangerous scoring opportunities against. I'm not going to get too much on Stanley's case here because I feel like a lot of situations have been, for the most part, handled decently by him, but this is one of those cases where I think you have to be careful about exposing him too much. He is still most likely a third-pairing guy, and in those minutes you have to be really careful about who you're pairing him with and who you're pitting him against because these smaller, uh, cagier forwards are definitely the ones that are going to give him a lot of trouble. The second goal against was another annoying one. This one, I believe, uh, either was the first or the second goal. Uh, it was a Byron Frazee tip in front of the net, which you just really can't be conceding to Frazee. Like, that fourth line for Calgary is basically an AHLers line, right? So it, it was a deserved goal in the sense that Calgary had definitely been winning a lot of the slot battles, and it's something that I think Winnipeg really struggled to defend accurately. So I can't really complain about a 2-2 uh, tied game heading into the third period, but I do think Winnipeg was very rusty, and I, I wasn't super thrilled with the overall like first 40 minutes. I think the biggest question was, you know, by the third period, would the Jets kind of wake up? You'll have to wait just a moment to find out. Before then, though, I wanted to tell you a little bit about why rockauto.com needs to be your online source for all of your auto part needs. Most of us, when we're dealing with automotive repairs, probably don't know a fantastic amount about cars. They're really complicated machines, and just like trying to fix a car is complicated, so too is ordering auto parts. All of us in some way, shape, or form are probably used to a lot of, like, repair shops charging you double what you're supposed to be paying, or trying to sneak a few extra 
extra parts that you don't even need into your build. If you're looking to skip all the funny business and get the parts you need at the prices you want, look no further than rockauto.com. The fine folks at rockauto.com have over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry, and their easy-to-use, intuitive website allows you to filter by make, year, and model of your vehicle and set the price range for the parts you want to pay. There's never a membership fee, and you might save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off retail brick-and-mortar in-store pricing. Why shop anywhere else when rockauto.com has the best selection and prices in the industry? Go online to rockauto.com today to place your order, and when you do, be sure to write Lockdown in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are talking about Winnipeg's loss to the Calgary Flames last night. But before we cover the third period, you need to be listening to more than the game from Locked On. February is Black History Month, and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black women and men in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents More Than the Game. This week, Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels and Erica Ayala of Locked On Women's Basketball discuss the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports. Subscribe to the Locked On Presents podcast feed on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Looking back on last night's game, I think there are a couple of uh, standout moments and players that I felt did a pretty decent job. I think Christian Veselainen, for one thing, was probably one of my top performers on the night. I really thought that he did a great job on that second line, and he looked a lot more assertive and physically aggressive than we're used to. He's uh, always had like a, a nature of sort of ghosting at even strength in a lot of the teams that he's played with, which is not necessarily the worst thing if you're scoring a lot of goals, but in terms of being really engaged at even strength and creating offense, not something that he's always been known for. He's got a great release and a lot of really good, different fundamental parts of his attack, but as far as being somebody who's consistently playing every shift and playing at max potential and level, that's something that Veselainen hasn't always done. Last night showcased a totally different Christian Veselainen that I think we've started to see hints of ever since he was paired with David Gustafson, but this was like a full tour de force performance from him. His forechecking in the offensive zone was very aggressive and really uh, very effective in my opinion. He was winning board duels, he was out-muscling opponents, he was creating a lot of great hold-up play for his linemates to try and get the puck to create offensive opportunities, and he was drawing quite a bit of attention to himself, which is very good if he wants to be like an aggro kind of player where he draws all of the focus to him while his linemates get into better positions before he either distributes that puck or they just come and take it from him and deposit it in the back of the net during the chaotic sequences. Defensively, I also like the way that he tracked back to try and mark his man pretty effectively. I felt like he had good defensive positioning, I felt like his awareness was there, and he just generally seemed very engaged. He had one or two sequences inside the offensive zone where he maybe dangled just one extra touch a little bit too much, and it led to like a dicey turnover that almost cost the Jets here and there, but overall I thought his game was very interesting. You know, his on-ice metrics weren't going to be great just because that line had a lot of trouble uh, not getting shelled every sequence, but when they were inside the offensive zone I liked what I saw. I think over time as he starts to stabilize and get more used to playing with skilled line mates, I think you'll see good things from him. I also have to say that I sort of enjoyed uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois' debut, especially as the game sort of wore on. The third period wasn't, like, fantastic, but overall I thought his game definitely improved as the game went on, just because he hadn't played in forever. It was his first game back, almost like a month off or so. And alongside Appleton, he was able to kind of, you know, creatively express himself and, and get a couple of really great passing lanes and a couple of good scoring opportunities that weren't really there when Trevor Lewis was on his wing. Like Veselainen, I thought that he was very engaged defensively. Like, these guys don't have to be perfect at defensive marking and all that, because that's not really what you're looking for at the highest level from them. What you want, though, is guys who aren't serious drags in the way that like a Kyle Connor is. I think Connor on that wing last night really struggled and it's, and it's something that continues to be an issue with Kyle in that 
His positioning and defensive IQ are just not really there, and more often than not, he's just sort of floating off in the distance, leaving his teammates fairly exposed. Dubois had trouble trying to account for that last night, which I think says a lot about how bad Kyle Connor's defensive awareness and positioning is. Sometimes Kyle will either turn it over very lazily, or he'll maybe get a little too aggressive and try something fancy at the blue line. One game it actually did work out, and he scored a great breakaway goal, but it was an extremely risky move that almost would have put his team at a huge disadvantage had he actually made a mistake. I think that's generally the thing with Kyle, is that he's always cheating for offense no matter where he is on the ice, and I, I get that there are some wingers who are like that, but I feel like the amount that Kyle does it does kind of concern me, and if you pair him with someone like Dubois, I think that's maybe going to hurt Dubois a little bit just because Dubois needs to be in the offensive end of the ice to really get full value out of what he brings, especially his physicality, his speed, his strength, and his really soft hands. He needs to be attacking, not in his own zone. If Kyle can just maybe do a little bit more to get out of his own defensive end and help out Dubois and Appleton with these aspects of the game, I really feel like that line could click along pretty well. I did mention earlier that Winnipeg lost last night's game, and it's not super shocking when you consider some of the lineup decisions that they made. Aside from like the reorganized forward lines, which I think were in principle the right moves and ideas, the defensive deployments were just completely mystifying, and so bad and mystifying that I don't really understand how this could have happened. Nathan Beaulieu has had the most ice time among Winnipeg's defenders on a number of occasions, even more so than Josh Morrissey at times, and that for me is just kind of nuts. In theory, Beaulieu is really tough and strong and the kind of rugged defender that most NHL coaches adore, but I think the problem is that he sacrifices so much else when he's under pressure or given any sort of complex decision making. When he's under pressure, he turns the puck over very easily, he loses a lot of physical battles, his defensive positioning and awareness are very poor, and like Josh Morrissey is struggling to do Josh Morrissey things on his own. When paired with Beaulieu, it's just a really big recipe for disaster. And on numerous occasions last night, the Jets probably should have gotten bitten on some of the defensive miscues from that pairing. Like, I get that Maurice will trust certain players to a certain degree, especially guys he thinks try and work really hard, and Beaulieu definitely works hard. But part of the reason that he has to is because he's had so many issues where he gets himself into trouble and has to work himself out of it. Even though he is a big and physical guy, he's actually oftentimes on the receiving end of, of bad play, especially physical play inside the defensive zone, and he just doesn't really have the sort of on-ice impact that I think Maurice imagines him to. So playing him like 22 or 23 minutes, that's just nuts. He did get, unfortunately, bit on a late penalty that cost the Jets the game. It was like a high-sticking penalty in the neutral zone, which people are like, well, you know, the Flames got away with a ton of stuff, and it's like, sure, they did, but these aren't plays that are often going to get called. If you high-stick somebody in the neutral zone, you're going to get called for that almost every time. It's just reality. That's how NHL refing is, and I'm sure that the Jets have gotten away with similar stuff before. It's just, if you're going to play you that much, you might as well just find, like, Lucas Abisa or something and give him another contract, because to me, Sabisa might actually be a little bit better. I hate to pin the loss on Nate because I don't think it's necessarily his fault. He's doing what the coaches are telling him, but the coaches are deploying him way too much while, you know, Dylan DeMello almost didn't play at all. That disparity in time on ice is just unacceptable, and I think Winnipeg really needs to reevaluate how it's putting out its D pairings if this is how it's going to be, because Beaulieu playing 20 plus minutes a night, or even above 15 minutes, could cost the Jets a playoff spot. They're very lucky that they're only playing other Northern Division opponents because a defense this poor and being played the way it is could actually hurt the Jets a lot more if they were playing higher quality opponents. In just a little bit, I'll talk about some adjustments that I think the Jets should make, including some lineup changes to get Winnipeg back to where it should be, hopefully at least a little bit of an improvement. But before then, I thought you should know a little bit about why BetOnline.ag should be your one-stop shop for all your online betting needs. BetOnline is the fastest, 
safest, and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football season may be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are all in full swing. BetOnline even has bets for all the favorite sports from abroad, including international soccer like Bundesliga, La Liga, and so much more. Not into sports betting? No problem. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You'll always have the best selection of real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline also has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds you need. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. To create your free account, head on over to BetOnline.ag, and when you do, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON when you register to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. You can register via desktop or the mobile app. Stop sitting on the sidelines and take charge of your sports fandom today. Get in on the action as soon as you can and be sure to register at betonline.ag. No matter the sport you're interested in or even the reality TV show you're a fan of, BetOnline has you covered. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are talking about some stuff that's been going on with the Jets over the past couple of weeks and maybe even the past couple of seasons. And I thought, you know, after yesterday's loss to the Calgary Flames, there were some trends that I think the Jets need to do a little bit to reverse. One thing that we pointed out in the last segment is that, you know, Nate Beaulieu has played a ton of minutes and Dylan DeMello has played almost none, which you got to change that around. If you're going to use a third pairing defender as a top pairing guy alongside Josh Morrissey, who's also struggling, you're going to have a bad time. And then to play DeMello at like even strength for around seven or eight minutes is probably not good enough. You need to give DeMello more ice time because, to be honest, if he has a puck-moving partner, he's actually pretty stable and reliable. I think the thing with Dylan is that as long as he's given somebody who can be an active player and more assertive on the puck, what he does best is helping shore up the defensive issues and being a smart safety valve for when his partner gets himself into trouble. If you move him to a pairing with Josh Morrissey, I I think it would be a a better result than what we're seeing with Nate Beaulieu because I know Beaulieu does try really hard and he works very hard and Maurice loves the way that he works, but I feel like the actual impact on the ice is really holding the team back, and it's putting way too much pressure on Beaulieu to perform to a level that he's not going to be able to, especially against top-pairing competition, and with as much time on the ice as he's getting. Aside from promoting Beaulieu, I think it's also time to finally free Vili Heinola, unless they're really trying to slide this ELC year back, which may be a real consideration, I feel like the Jets just need to bite the bullet and let the kid play. With how the season is and how the playoff structure might work, I actually think the Jets have have a pretty decent shot at making actual playoff noise if they can somehow survive themselves and get through this Northern Division playoff stuff. I, I think that they have a real shot at actually, you know, surpassing some of their own expectations because, let's be real, this team's forward lineup at least is very deep. You've got guys like Cop, Appleton, Dubois now, Shifley, Ehlers. I mean, these are a lot of really good forwards. And even though Blake Wheeler has struggled a lot recently, he's still at least a guy who can contribute on the power play. There are ways to make this lineup work if you mask the defense as much as possible. And one of those key things would be having puck moving D who can help the the attackers and forwards really dominate possession in the other end of the ice. Right now, Winnipeg's blue line isn't set up for that at all. And frankly, the systems aren't either. The Jets are doing a lot of dump and chase hockey. There's a lot of really simplistic zone exit schema that aren't really effective because uh, opponents tend to read those options very easily, especially the ones where the Jets dump it along the walls. And I think Winnipeg really needs to work on these controlled zone exits and guys who are good at that are players like Vili Heinola. Heinola may be a teenager, but he's an expert at this kind of stuff, and I feel like he's the exact kind of player that the Jets are missing right now, especially on defense. If you can bring him in, he'd be a great power play quarterback, he'd help you at even strength, he might even be able to effectively kill penalties. He's a very smart player and short. 
while he is on the smaller side, his body positioning and man marking tend to be really good from what I've seen, and he's certainly a lot more effective than some of the current options. You know, Neil Pionk and, and Derek Forbert were overwhelmed last night because they've had to play tons of minutes, and to be honest, they're going to have rough games every now and then. They're Winnipeg's top pairing right now, and I feel like that amount of pressure and defensive responsibility needs to have some minutes cut back. Get them some support with guys like Heinola, who can really help the Jets move the puck and relieve that pressure. If not Heinola, then at least give Dylan Sandberg some kind of a look once he's pro-ready. If he gets some minutes in the AHL and he proves himself valuable, then think about bringing him up to the Jets. All I know is that, Bull, you can't be playing like 22-plus minutes a night. That's not a recipe for success. It's not good for any party involved, including Nate himself. And I'm sure he feels very responsible for the fact that the Jets lost last night. It's very unfortunate, and I feel like the coaching and staff put him in a bad position, and of course he struggled with it. The Jets need to be realistic with what they have and think about some of the young players that they can help bring this lineup back up to speed and get them going. Heinola would be a huge step towards making that a reality, and I think if Heinola does step into this lineup and starts to earn Maurice's trust, I think the Jets are going to be a much better looking team. They have the forward presence to make a lot of noise, but now it's just working on some of the defensive aspects and getting that back end moving a lot faster, because once that happens, the rest will kind of come along and the Jets will look like a more functional NHL team. I'd love to know what your thoughts are though, and what lineup changes you might think about, or if you think the lineup is fine as is, be sure to let me know as well, at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. That will wrap up my thoughts for tonight though, I'll be back tomorrow evening with even more thoughts about how the Jets fare against the Ottawa Senators and some extended Pierre-Luc Dubois analysis. Before you log off today, be sure to check out Locked on NHL. Every Wednesday on Locked on NHL, take a deep dive into the Western Conference with Sarah Avampado of Locked on Kings and Tom Gazzola of Locked on Oilers. Whether it's a look at top-end contenders like Vegas and Colorado or breaking down the rebuilds of the Kings and Blackhawks, Locked on NHL has you covered in Western Conference Wednesdays. Subscribe to Locked on NHL wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.